Hey, I'm Steve Follin. Thanks for listening. This episode of Being Freelance is supported by the podcast host. So if you're thinking of getting into podcasting but need help, I hugely suggest you talk to them first. Check out their resources. They're really nice guys. Follow the link to the podcast host at beingfreelance.com. Right now, though, let's find out what it's like being freelance for animator Timmy Allen. I think just sharing as much as you can, as often as you can, continuously kind of keeps you in the front of people's minds. That's something I always think about, you know, just making sure that I'm saying yes to the right things. I mean, you don't want to lose, you know, an opportunity to enjoy time, you know, with your family and, you know, the wife, she needs to feel like she's every bit and more so important than, you know, sitting here at a desk, you know, working all day. She needs to feel safe, secure, loved. And I mean, balancing that time is so, so important. Yes. Hello. Hope you are well. Beingfreelance.com is the website for accompanies this podcast. I don't know where you may have found this. Might be iTunes, might be Stitcher, might be somewhere snuck away on your phone. Uh, But thanks for doing so. Don't forget to hit subscribe wherever you might have found this. But yeah, beingfreelance.com has nearly 60 guests now that I've spoken to. And along with each guest, you can hear them, but also check out their links and their key takeaway points and stuff like that. You can also sign up to the newsletter so you don't miss out. Out. Uh, right now, though, let's crack on and say hello to this week's guest. And that is a freelancer based in the States. We're off to Nashville to chat to animator Timmy Allen. Hey, Timmy. Hey, how's it going, Steve? How are you? Yeah, cool. Thanks for doing this. Let's find out how you got started being freelance. Cool. So I uh, started off as a, uh, a musician uh, after I graduated high school. So that was back in 2001. Uh, while doing that, kind of handled doing, you know, T-shirt design, poster design, a um, little bit of web design here and there. Bam broke up after um, like six years of touring. So it was like 2005. Bam broke up, wasn't sure what I was going to do. Decided that um, the only thing that I really had an interest in outside of music was, you know, the the creative side of things, doing posters, shirt designs and web design. So at the time, you know, MySpace was really big and stuff. So we had one of those super cool custom MySpaces with, you know, just the, the the custom layouts, jumped into all the HTML and stuff and kind of tore that up. So that gave me the interest in uh, web design and stuff. So that was kind of the beginning of like the, the idea of freelance and working for myself was kind of building these MySpace profiles for other bands. When the band broke up, I was 25. So I really didn't want to go do a four-year um, college. I kind of wanted to get in and get out. So I went to a, a school in Orlando, Florida called Full Sail, um, got my degree in um, web design development, mostly Flash. Um, and that was kind of that, that was kind of the beginning for me doing those MySpace custom profiles for bands and stuff. Uh, and then kind of became obviously a little bit more serious about it doing Flash animations. And yeah, so that was pretty much pretty much the beginning. So 2005, and you're a web designer, so you've gone from being a musician to being a web right. designer. So what happened from there? Uh, the iPhone came out and basically turned all of my Flash development skills into <laughs> a little bit, a little bit more than a joke. But I, yeah, that was kind of that transitioned me into more broadcast stuff because, um, like UI and UX design and animation, um, in Flash, you know, obviously, once when Steve Jobs dropped that that beautiful piece of machinery it was kind of like oh well this is clearly not going to last very long because they weren't you know they weren't supporting flash obviously 
So I had to figure out, you know, that was kind of a pivot point and it kind of transitioned me from using um, like Flash and After Effects for animation into kind of losing more of the Flash side of things and just focusing more on the uh, After Effects animating side of things for broadcast motion. Um, at the time too, so this was like, at this point, that was probably like 2007 or 2008 when kind of all of that stuff finally shifted. So the iPhone might have been out a year or two before I made the transition because I kind of held on to Flash, you know, for dear life. I'd spent a good amount of money on my degree and was kind of like, I don't really want to let this go. And my, my he wasn't my brother-in-law at the time, but he's my brother-in-law now. Um, but he's a long, long-time friend of mine, Ryan Connolly. He, uh, he had started his little production company. Uh, I say little, little at the time. Uh, he and I both started working at Alienware together um, down in Miami, Florida. He was working there already. I'd graduated and he brought me on as like an assistant for a few things. Coming up with like a graphics package, you know, lower thirds, wipes, opening bumper, closing bumper. So that was my very first um, transition from doing web in motion to going strictly like broadcast, motion graphics, the animation stuff that I, that I do today. So did that mean teaching yourself how to use something like After Effects? Sure. Or whatever? So we had um, we had a two month class in After Effects, and we had a one month class in um, 3D Studio Max. So those were our two kind of motion classes uh, in our degree. So for the most part, everything I do now, yeah, has been more or less completely self taught. Um, again, because it wasn't covered in my in my degree program. Uh, which is, you know, obviously for, for a lot of reasons infuriating, you know, having spent as much as I spent on, on class, knowing that everything I do now is mostly, you know, self-taught online. However, you know, school did give me the base for, you know, my work ethic and kind of like learning Photoshop and stuff like that. Um, all my asset creation, um, tools. Yeah. I think I lost my train of thought. I couldn't tell whether you were buffering or not. <laughs> <laughs> you, you kind of froze. Okay, so so you're in Florida and you've started doing like motion graphics mm-hmm. for broadcast yeah. type things. You've self-taught yourself. Yeah. So are you now just working for that company or are you trying to find freelance clients for yourself? So I was still as much as I could doing some flash development um, for studios, agencies um, that I kind of met either through people that I graduated with or – you know, now that kind of film riot was taking off, it was kind of giving me a little bit of, you know, credibility and helping get my name out. It put my name in front of, you know, potential people that were wanting to put together the same type of, you know, elements. There was a lot of like YouTube content creators that were, you know, hitting me up to put together, you know, similar packages. So that kind of, yeah, that kind of kickstarted the move from, you know, just being a flash developer into being more of an animator. And then that kind of just escalated. It kind of compounded on itself more and more Um, each month, just got more inquiries and more opportunities to do stuff uh, like that. So that's where kind of that passion came from for that. So was it mainly word of mouth that has got you your client? It was. um, And it still kind of works that way Um, to this point. There's, you know, we've been doing this for you know, like, what, 11 years now? If I started in 2005, yeah, it's been about 11 years uh, of different, you know, types of work. It's it's mostly been, yeah, it's mostly been word of mouth. Um, I try and release, you know, a reel as often as I can, one, you know, one a year or whatever, but that, you know, sometimes doesn't work out just depending on how busy you are. Um, or the type of work that you do for that year. There's been, you know, a lot of projects that I'm really proud of that I can't, you know, I'm not allowed to share, 
or put, you know, in a reel and stuff. So that's kind of a bummer. Usually those are like if a client is looking for a specific type of something and I know that I've done it, but it's just under, you know, an NDA or, you know, just I'm not allowed to claim it necessarily as my own. Those will get, you know, password blocked and then I'll, I'll drop those off to a prospective client to say, hey, you know, this is another piece that I worked on, but it's not something that I get to kind of publicly show off. Yeah, so it's been it's been mostly mostly word of mouth. But when you do put that showreel together, which obviously go, goes on your website, is there a way that you then tell people about it, or do you just simply leave it there to do its work? Again, kind of um, things like Twitter. You know, I've still got you know I think I've got like six or seven thousand followers. So I'll just you know post stuff on social. You know, check out the you know check out my new reel, and then people you know will click and find it you know that way. Um, Social has been a huge uh, help as far as that goes, uh, just kind of getting it's kind of like your own little distribution you know, model. If you've got enough people following you, then, you know, you've got enough potential clients, you know, following you or um, other artists that are on Twitter that follow you, that get a job that maybe they can't facilitate and they need you know, you to take over or they need an extra hand on. That's been mostly the way that, you know, this work would kind of show up recently anyway. Yeah, that's interesting. So what what kind of stuff do you do on Twitter? Uh, for the most part, it's just, you know, sharing thoughts and opinions on things, kind of creating your own little, um, like, social personality. Whenever there's, like, a, you know, if there's a process piece that I'm working on, you know, you can post that and kind of just show people what you're, what you're working on. Keep it more about what you do and how you do it and keep people interested in that way versus – you know, using Twitter is, you know, I mean, obviously there's, there's plenty of posts that I post that have nothing to do with, you know, what I do, but I think just sharing as much as you can, as often as you can continuously kind of keeps you in the front of people's minds. I would say just like, yeah, it's kind of like when you post on your portfolio, it's just like show the work that you want to be doing. And there's someone out there that'll see it and say, cool, that's, you know, maybe something that I want for my my brand, my company, my, you know, my podcast, my, the content I'm building on YouTube and stuff. Um, and that's usually a good way to just show people what you can do and what you want to do. And if they need it, they'll hit you up and ask you about it. And maybe you'll get a chance to work on something else. Yeah, that's cool. I like the fact that you also mentioned there that, you know, like almost like a community of other Mm -hmm. motion designer and animators as well. Yeah. There's a big, uh, there's a big community. Um, I mean, it's just literally, well, it's, what's cool about it is it's kind of bringing, um, there's tons of international, you know, animators and creatives out there that are all on Twitter. And basically, it's just, it's time zones, you know, aside, it's easy to connect with people um, all over the place in that way, being able to just post something. And then, you know, if, if someone in, you know, the UK is, you know, crashed for the night, they'll wake up and hit you up and stuff. So there's also, um, for like for motion and animating specifically, um, you, do you Slack at all? Do you know Slack? Yeah. Uh, so basically there's a huge like uh, animating Slack group uh, that is such a cool resource for anything from like inspiration to like breakdowns of, you know, new pieces to uh, there's even like a jobs channel and stuff like that. So I haven't resourced, you know, use that as a resource for finding work yet. Um, but I mean, it's, it just it's a cool place. I think there's something like 1,400 uh, different creatives in that Slack group. I mean, it's always running at all hours of the day. You'll always see, you know, a large group of people in there just talking about 
random, you know, miscellaneous stuff, which is which is super cool. So the community, it seems like, is always very, very active. Um, and I think that's, you know, that's really, really cool to be able to have that, you know, at your fingertips at any point, you know, in your day. So are you a freelancer that works from home? Uh, I am, yeah. I'm currently sitting at my desk in my in my bedroom. So, um, yeah, we, just to kind of keep costs low, it just kind of makes the most sense for now to kind of just work from home. Um, obviously, the issue with that, you know, is is having having a you know an under two year old daughter who you know sees me sitting here at any time during the day and just wants to run up and hang out and play and kind of like love on you and distract you and stuff, which is really great. You know, it's a benefit to getting to work from home as well as kind of you know something that will distract you every now and again. But, you know, we'll close and lock the door since, you know, now she knows how to work the doorknob uh, if it's, you know, if there's a deadline or something that really needs to get done. Um, but, yeah, yeah, definitely work from home. Yeah, I was going to say, so how do you deal with that? Right. Um, you know, like working and being mm-hmm. a dad when, when they're around, especially when it's a little bit hot, you know, when they're maybe five or six or whatever, yeah. it becomes a little bit easier for them to grasp mm-hmm. the fact that maybe you're working. But even then, it's... It's a tricky thing. It is, and it's something that you know we're still figuring out. My wife and I, and you know, we've got uh, we've got her mother who lives about a mile down the road. So like her mom's super awesome. She'll take you know Quinn for the day. You know, on days when either I've got a ton to do for work and need to make sure that I can knock it out, or like my wife is in school currently for nursing, so she's you know she does that um, you know two to three days a week. And obviously, you know, those two or three days that she's at school, you know, I need to continue to be productive and stuff. So it's good to have, you know, a support system like her mom close to us to be able to, you know, take Quinn when we need it. Um, Plus, I mean, you know, obviously the benefit of her being the grandma, she like she'll take as much time, you know, with Quinn as she can get and stuff. So. I mean, I assume we'll just continue to learn how to how to work from home better and better, you know, as days and months go on. If she gets older and older, like you said, she'll eventually kind of be able to conceptualize, you know, what it is that I'm doing. I'm not kind of just sitting here goofing off on the Internet, you know, um, you know, she'll walk in or and say, like, daddy's making dollars and stuff. So it's kind of she gets that I'm in here doing that, <laughs> um, you know, and then it's also harder to. Um, you know, I start, I start my day right there, which is like three feet away in bed and then I'll go get some breakfast and then come straight back here. So it's, it's hard to make sure that, or I should say it's important to make sure that there's time for family and hanging out and socializing and, you know, being, you know, a dad and a husband. Uh, and then there's, you know, times where you're still those things, but the focus needs to be, you know, making, you know, earning a living to pay bills and making sure that I'm being productive and getting, you know, the clients what they need when they need it and hitting deadlines and stuff. So the balance of work life is, you know, something that you always see creatives talking about, especially freelance creatives, especially creative uh, freelancers that work from home. I mean, I can end up sitting here, you know, till one in the morning and just not even really like think about the fact that an entire day just went by. And all I did was, you know, sat down, had breakfast, sat down, had lunch, sat down, had dinner, maybe watched, you know, some old episodes of Arrested Development or something with the wife and kind of the day's gone by. And now we're jumping back in bed to do it all again tomorrow. So you just always have to be aware of, you know, where your time's going and how you're spending it. Um, Something that I heard and learned a long time ago was uh, when you say yes to something, you're saying no to everything else, basically. So if I say yes to sitting here and working, you know, past 
five or six o'clock, you know, on a weeknight, then I'm saying no to spending, you know, that time I spent here, you know, with, with Quinn before she goes down to bed and, you know, with Ansley, my, my wife, uh, before, you know, we, we crash for the night or whatever. So that's something I always think about, you know, just making sure that I'm saying yes to the right things instead of, you know, you don't want to lose, you know, an opportunity to enjoy time, you know, with your family. And obviously you got to make sure that, you know, the wife, you know, she needs to, she needs to feel like she's every bit and more so important than, you know, sitting here at a desk, you know, working all day. She needs to, she needs to feel safe, secure, loved and all that stuff. So it's just, you know, every day you learn something different about it. Um, every day you learn a better way or hopefully every day you learn a better way of doing what you do. And I mean, balancing that time is so, so important. Yeah, man. It's, um, I, mean, I think you always have to sit there as well and think, I could be getting on a train and going to work in a city sure. and coming back when that kid's asleep. There's, there's, there's no answer to it. There either, is, there's said. not. When it comes to the business side of mm-hmm. things, like the pricing and the dealing with the finances, how have you found that as a freelancer? So the, I guess the biggest thing for me is making sure that at the end of the day, um, t- taxes are obviously a huge thing, you know, here, making sure that I'm giving, giving, th- that they're taking enough from me. So that way, when the end of the year <laughs> um, comes around, I don't owe like ten, twenty thousand $20,000. Um, so I have a, I have a CPA here in town who kind of, anytime I get paid or a transaction comes through, I kind of throw it to him and just, you know, quarterly, I'll just, you know, ask him, you know, what do we need to do for taxes this quarter? Um, as far as like pricing and stuff goes, uh, that is always a, it's always a changing scale. Um, it just kind of depends on who the client is, how badly you want to work for that client. Um, is the work something that, you know, you really believe in and can that, you know, subset maybe making less on it? Um, I've tried not to do like the whole, like, you know, 2D animation gets this cost and 3D animation gets that cost because at the end of the day, it kind of just comes down to how much time you're spending. Uh, in the last year, I found out that you don't want to bill for the technology you use. You want to bill for the time that it takes. So I try and just focus on that. As I build you know, every new piece, every new project I get on, I have a time tracking app called Toggle. Let me actually, I'm looking at it real quick. So basically what I do with this is, you know, you set up each project and then inside each project, you can kind of break it down. Um, Things like outline, how long it takes you to write a script, storyboard. Based on the type of assets that you're creating, like I'll kind of make a little running list of like, okay, I had to model something that was like an organic shape, which obviously organic shapes take a little bit more time to model because it's not like just a primitive flat line. It's a little more... Um, it takes a little bit more to put stuff like that together. I just keep this running list of like times to try and remind myself how long it took for me to make a car. If I was modeling a car, how long did it take me to model this car this time? And then, you know, I keep track of it the next time I do it and just use those times to properly gauge, um, how long each piece should take. And I think that's kind of a really big thing. It's just making sure that you track your time, knowing, you know, how long each part of your process took. So that way you can accurately bid for the next one. Um, so I think, yeah, I think time tracking is super important for, for making sure that you get your, your budget numbers and stuff accurate. You know, you don't want to overbid just as much as you don't want to underbid because, you know, 
making it look like you're, you know, just trying to do like a money grab always is kind of a bummer of a thing to feel like people think you're doing. So hitting those numbers and hitting those milestones will only make that client, if there's repeated work after, make them, you know, want to come back to you and use you, you know, time and time again, knowing they can depend on your numbers and your turnaround time. Yeah. Time track always. Yeah, that's great advice. Speaking of time, uh, it's time I slipped, see, the three magic words into this episode, and they are the podcast host. Remember, they help support this show, but more importantly, they can support you if your intention is to use podcasting as a tool in your freelance marketing or for that matter if there's a hobby you're really passionate about like Colin Gray who's the man behind the podcast host has a podcast about podcasting which I recommend but also does one about his love of mountain biking anyway the podcast host have courses mastermind groups technical support and more to get you started and to help you grow so if you're thinking about it you need help follow the link to them at beingfreelance.com and tell them i said hi um but back to you though timmy um what would you say is like the biggest challenge of being freelance um probably what we talked about earlier just the work-life balance um if we're speaking you know directly about being a freelancer and not kind of taking personal life into it Hardest thing about being freelance would be, okay, so like the project I'm on now, I've been on it since about mid-March. These long burn projects that last, you know, quite a while, it's hard to um, stay focused or, well, no, focused isn't the right word. Um, You're kind of looking at the project from like two feet away. It's hard to step back and look at it as a larger piece. So kind of getting that burnout of I've been working on the same thing for three months. Like I just want it to kind of end, not because you're unhappy with the product as much as you're kind of just like, I think when you freelance, you kind of love the spontaneity of the different types of jobs that you get to do. You know, you're not working at an agency that kind of takes the same type of work and you're not working at an agency where you see the same people day in and day out and stuff like that. You're kind of getting to um, just work, work the jobs that you want to work. If you're in that position, you get to, you know, some days do something that's, you know, an animated infographic and another day you can do all UX, UI, you know, design interface work. So the hardest thing, you know, that I'm finding today is we're, we're at the very end of this, this three month project and we're getting ready to start the next project and kind of just continuing to stay focused and making sure that I don't kind of sputter out at the end where like, I mean, this is the most important part. We've spent two months pre-proing the whole project to make sure that this specific part is so, you know, dead on and locked in that, you know, you're kind of just like, all right, well, this is going great, but I'm ready for whatever it is I'm going to be doing next because we've been here for three months. Um, that's definitely a challenge that you kind of have to kind of have to overcome each time you get to this point of a long project. Mm. Does that throw up a... a- difficulties as well when you're so engrossed in one project that maybe you're not looking for other work or or does that not happen to you is there just a constant stream of people knocking on oh the door? gosh I've, i freaking wish that was that was the case uh no there's always a period in the project where you're like okay, this is, this is wrapping up. What am I going to do after this? Cause my bills are going to keep coming and there's still going to be things mm. that I want to buy and things that, you know, we need to do for Quinn and blah, blah, blah. So 
Um, normally, if I don't have something booked within a month of finishing the current project, I'll usually just kind of go after my Motley crew, the same kind, the same, um, you know, few connections that I've got and just, hey, do you need anything? What's going on? A lot of those consist of different clients that I've already done work for that I know that they've been, you know, stoked on what we've done together. So just saying like, hey, is there anything that we can do? Um, a lot of the times too, it's it's looking at those clients and maybe seeing, you know, if they've had anything new come around, uh, any new products that they're creating or any new ideas that they're kind of putting out in social is like forward facing ideas. Like, hey, you posted um, something about, you know, X, Y, Z. How can we leverage that idea, that thought? Is there an infographic version of this like little mission statement that you put out that we can maybe expand and just create like a 30 second vignette on, you know, how, how can we make this one sentence turn into something that's 30 seconds long that we can then, you know, even express to a deeper, more interactive kind of um, expression. I mean, certain people don't have to necessarily go back to back on projects. Um, I like to stay as busy as I can, um, especially yeah. kind of just in the season that I'm in where like, we're wanting to think of, you know, we're thinking about buying a house and stuff like that. So as much as, um, you know, we can stockpile some some money in a savings account to kind of make that that idea, that dream happen, I'll just keep continuously trying to ping people and see if there's any work that, you know, we can do together. Um, so, yeah, yeah, let's say a project ends on the 30th. I'll start looking for the work, you know, the first of that same month and then we'll book it a month out. I love the fact that you're you're also looking at those clients like what they're doing on their mm -hmm. social media and then trying to think of ways that they could use video yeah. and in particular your skills sure. to uh, to make the most of that it's a great great way of doing a lot it. of times yeah they won't necessarily know what they want or they won't even know that that's an option until you walk up to them and say dude i saw you did this thing like how cool would it be if we can kind of expand that idea and make that more of like um I kind of, I come from a church background, so I'm going to call it like a core value. Like you posted this thing that was, you know, really cool and really insightful. Like, is there more information that you've got on that? And would you like to take it to the next level and explain it some more with some visuals? And I'll, I mean, most of the times you'll find that they're like, oh my gosh, of course. Cause it's kind of like, first of all, oh, you saw that thing that I posted and you liked it. And now you're telling me from a creative standpoint, we can kind of take it to, you know, another level and potentially get more people to see it and enjoy it and understand it uh, for themselves. So, man, that's great. I notice on your website, that, uh, and in fact, we spoke, you know, before we hit record, sure. we, I was saying, you know, how should I introduce you, a freelance animator, motion designer? But you touched upon uh, another element to what you mm -hmm. do. I think, was it creative director? Was that a term that you could? It was, of yeah. So that's something closer to like what I've been doing for this three month project where instead of um, a lot of the times there'll be an agency or a client will connect with me and they'll say, here's our, you know, our branding guidelines. Here's all of our assets. Uh, we've had a designer already design the piece out. And usually that would get delivered in like a storyboard type layout and, you know, copy paste those elements into an After Effects or a Cinema 4D. Um, and that's the majority of, you know, what I get to do is taking someone else's assets and, you know, animating those. Um, but there's these kind of these great opportunities where instead of that happening, I get to kind of do all of it. Um, so a client will show up and say, 
we've got this internal facing video idea where it's kind of like a tutorial for any new employees on how to use, you know, this platform that we've got. Let's go through the platform and figure out how to properly explain how to use it. How do these codes work? How do they, you know, apply to each hour that, you know, you log and capture and, you know, this tool. So those are cool opportunities where I do get to do more of the creative direction where they come to me with the concept and then I spend the time kind of breaking that concept down. I've yet to do the creative direction with a team where I'm not necessarily the one creating the designs, creating the animations and stuff, but that would be something that um, would be really, really cool to do. Yeah, I was going to say that. Have you ever found that you needed to outsource some of the work in order to to, to get it done? Right. So I'm not I'm not a I'm not an audio guy like at all. So most likely, uh, if I'm going to outsource anything, it's usually like audio design, um, sound effects, uh, music beds. Um, doing voiceover work and making sure all of that stuff gets mixed and mastered, you know, accurately. Um, audio was, which is funny because I mean, I was a musician before I was anything else, but audio <laughs> has never been like a strong point for me before going, you know, full-time freelance. I worked at a big church and I had a team of, I want to say probably about six or seven. And so that was more like delegation and kind of creatively leading those guys and girls to, you know, shoot and edit these, these really cool, intricate pieces, um, you know, for, for Sundays and stuff. So, um, that's about the, that's about as far as I had gotten before, you know, the projects that I'm getting to work on now, it would be so, so cool to be able to share kind of that responsibility in a freelance sense and kind of just creatively direct something and then hand every, you know, hand the work out to friends and other like local, you know, whether you're a designer or an animator and stuff, it would be cool to just creatively direct and let everyone else do that part. I just kind of haven't found myself in that situation just yet. I've had to direct myself, essentially, which is, you know, still fun. Yeah, yeah, interesting. That's kind of what I do. I'm not an animator, and so I so I hire animators to right. do that bit, or I hire videographers to film and then I edit. And sure, things. yeah. So yeah. it's like it's like knowing your strengths mm-hmm. and then getting other people. Absolutely. But sometimes it means that maybe there's like four or five projects on the mm-hmm. go at once. And I feel like that's something that would be something that would be um, I could see creative directing being really beneficial at you know not not having to work on every aspect of every project, being able to delegate and pass some of the responsibilities off to other creatives, I think would lead to more opportunities, you know, to creatively direct things. Um, it's been, it's been a good like two or three months um, here where more work is being offered and some things, you know, I've either turned away completely or some things I've connected a specific client or an agency with a friend of mine that does, you know, the same type of work. It, it would be great at some point to be able to take all of those on, uh, all of those projects on in more of like a, in more of a studio mindset and less of like, yeah. you know, me, myself and I kind of a mindset and being able to say, we'll take this job and we'll take this job, we'll take this job, I'll creatively direct everything and then kind of outsource those on my own to, you know, like I said, the friends that I have that do, you know, work like the work that I do. Yeah, it just allows you to scale mm-hmm. it beyond your own hours that you're tracking yeah. and billing and stuff, doesn't yeah. it? Um, so, so long as you're still getting to... So I'm guessing this means that you don't have time for any side projects or anything. Um, not not really. There's been... Yeah, there's 
there's been a few personal projects that I've worked on um, with some friends. And then like I like I kind of hinted at earlier, like I'm really wanting to get into like VR. I feel like at some point that barrier to entry is going to get smaller and smaller. Um, VR is going to explode. You know, I kind of want to get into it now. So that way when that happens, I'm not having to learn it, you yeah. know, then I'm kind of maybe at the forefront of it and can start, you know, putting out some cool stuff when it does become more accessible. So it's been a lot of just like tutorials and, and finding classes online and trying to, you know, learn all that stuff now. And that's more or less been the, um, the way I spend, you know, my free time if it's not with, you know, the girls. So, yeah, that's cool. It's, it's a thing we've well, heard a few weeks ago with Kyle Webster as an illustrator, but he, you know, he was saying like, he looks ahead mm-hmm looks at a, you know like a popular trend and then thinks how can i use my illustration skills to benefit from that and you're like thinking well this is like a cool thing where my skills can play a part mm-hmm. i just need to learn that that new software yep. or whatever good do it, yeah, working <laughs> on it. okay now i always do this thing where i ask for three facts about yourself make two true one a lie and let me figure out the lie what have you got for me okay so i i, I made the list before we started talking and then we started talking and I think I kind of gave all of it away. So I'm just, I'm just going to say them. And I think it's obvious. It's going to be, it's going to be pretty obvious. Uh, I don't know, but I'll just, I'll just go for it. So first one, my degree was originally in web flash development, obviously. (laughs) Number two, I actually loved star Wars episodes one, two, and three. And number three was I was in a Christian hardcore band. (laughs) clearly we've covered a few of those (laughs) okay you hated star wars one two three with all my heart (laughs) yeah but you didn't say it was a christian hard hard rock right so hardcore band i'm pretty sure y'all have y'all have hardcore bands over there in the uk um yeah like it's it was like a lot of singing mixed with a lot of screaming and yeah i don't know why we called ourselves a christian hardcore band now as an adult you know when you're a kid and you know i grew up in the church my whole life so it was kind of one of those things where you kind of move into it and you're just like you're just like yeah we're gonna go out and tell people about jesus and we're gonna we're gonna play loud music and then you kind of grow up and you're like well that's silly there's not like plumbers that are i mean there are plumbers out there that are like i do what i do and i do it for god and all that stuff but that as an adult we kind of grew out of that and i look back on the fact that we called ourselves a christian hardcore band kind of kind of funny not that we're not necessarily living those same beliefs but it was kind of a funny it was kind of a funny thing to do at the time <laughs> Now, if you could tell your younger self one thing about being freelance, what would it oh be? Oh, my gosh. Um, don't go to Full Sail. Don't go to Full Sail. Full Sail is the name of the school. Oh, gotcha. Like, I feel like we uh, we would have so much margin financially, and we would be in such a good place financially. Um, that's not to say, like, oh, my gosh, I do freelance, and I make so much money. It's ridiculous, because I don't. But student loans man are a pain in the ass it's the worst so i guess just as an adult doing freelance i would tell my younger self to maybe save more before going to school think about not going to such an expensive school and again kind of going on a whim was a bad idea uh okay now of course go to beingfreelance.com you can check out everything that tim is up to watch his awesome show reel um uh, it it's it said i'm sure sh- it says he's you were about to redo your website 
Or has it said that for years? I don't know. You know what's hysterical is that's definitely one of those things that we all do. I was going to change it last year and just never got around to it, um, which I guess is a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, no, the real the real is new. I think the real uh, I put the real together earlier this year in 2016. So that's that's pretty new. Yeah, no, it's really nice. Uh, go take a look. Uh, you can see what Tim is up to. Uh, fo- follow him on Twitter uh, and so on and so forth. And, of course, while you're there, check out the other guests, sign up for the newsletter uh, and everything else that we've got uh, up to. But, Timmy, thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much, Steve. And all the best being free. I appreciate it, man. Thank you. Funny you were saying, yeah, you know, so if I spend a my evening doing this that means i'm not spending it with my mm-hmm. wife uh with with me sitting here talking to you while she's in the other right. room <laughs> hey i made sure her glass of wine was topped up before I came and that's out. as that's as good as you can do i love it